and welcome to this, the second Teen Tips podcast. My name is Alicia Drummond. I am a pastoral care consultant. I'm a counsellor. I'm a parenting coach. I am the mum of teenagers and I work in schools up and down the country and abroad, sometimes with the parents, sometimes with staff, sometimes with the pupils. Today I am talking to Arabella Davis. Arabella is an educational consultant. Uh, She has her own company called Their Best Years. She helps families with their schooling decisions. She also works for the Tatler Schools Guide, which gives her pretty different and interesting insight into many of the UK's top independent schools. So I hope that you'll find our conversation helpful if you're in the process of choosing your child's senior school. It has to be said that we are focusing on the independent sector today, but my hope is that at some point in the not too distant future, we will run a podcast looking at the state sector. Uh, Arabella, thank you so much for joining us. And um, before we start on the school side of us, tell us a little bit about what it's like being an inspector stroke report writer for Tatler. Well, first of all, thank you, Alicia, for inviting me, and hello, hello to the audience. Um, well, it's, funnily enough, working for Tatler Schools Guide is you get a very rare insight into the school in some ways because you are there as a VIP. So whereas when you go around as a parent and you are a prospective parent, obviously, you know, everything's clean and shiny and all the children hopefully wearing their nice smart uniform. But when you go around for Tatler, it's even more shiny. And I think although you see a lovely broad spectrum of the school, you usually meet the best of the pupils and you usually meet the head teacher, headmaster or headmistress. Um, but you don't necessarily get into the nitty gritty of the school. You don't necessarily get into the staff room. You don't. You do have an opportunity to speak to some staff, but it is mainly focused on the head and the pupils. Um, a typical day for a tap school's guide visit would be um, a welcome from the headmaster or headmistress, a chat and then a tour of the school, usually by a couple of pupils, followed by lunch. And then there might be some exhibit, or you might watch a match in the afternoon. And although it sounds that sounds quite a long time, it actually is quite short. And you get a lovely view of the school from a VIP angle. But I wouldn't have said that you get necessarily as an in-depth view that possibly you need if you're going to choose the school for your own children. Because I think that's always slightly my thing about the open days, because they do put on the shiny, shiny show. And, you know, a lot of these schools now have really professional marketing marketing teams and offices and so how do you make that assessment you know really looking kind of behind the scenes a little bit about for example pastoral care because that happens to be my passionate topic how what, what do you look yeah, for yeah absolutely when you're that's about a really it? good point actually so you know back to the sort of the the, the 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 frills of an open day and I think you know as a parent there you're now encouraged to take your children along with you to these visits whereas you know years gone by perhaps you as a parent would go on your own first off and then take your children now everything's starting much earlier so you take your children with you and you know you are your children are given hot chocolate and uh you know rocky road chocolate brownies and of course they come away and they go wow i really want to go there because they serve great hot chocolate um well as we know that's not necessarily the nitty-gritty of choosing a school and i think the pastoral element is really important and, and i always say to parents you know, when you're looking around, try and find random people who are perhaps just walking past you in the corridor, stop them, ask them questions. You know, that is the open day. I mean, everyone's aware there is an open day going on, so it is up to you to stop and ask the questions, whether it's a pupil or, most importantly, the staff in the houses. But what I would say to parents, my biggest advice is when you're going on these visits, is, visits, 
is to challenge the house parents and the matrons on the key issues that may worry you, particularly for senior school entry, and it's subjects like bullying, eating disorders, um, drugs, which one hopes that's not going to come into this play during your children's school days, but it is a topic that does need to be addressed. And, and you know, make sure, find out what their policies are. Do they have a zero tolerance policy? Do they give children a chance? And, you know, many schools now you have to sign something at the beginning of your children's term there. And it says, you know, are you happy for us to breathalyze your children? Yeah. And are you happy to, are you, for our, your children to be drug tested if necessary? So, you know, it's all, it sounds really scary when you, when you hear it like that. But actually, it makes you feel safe as a parent. It makes you think, right, my children are in a safe place. And that is what matters pastorally to me. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the other thing to mention here is obviously their policies around things like mobile phones. I mean, this morning, I think Eton have announced that they're going to be removing the mobile phones from their pupils. I think it's from six o'clock in the evening, something like that. Um, and I, I guess it's kind of recognising that often there's maybe a reserve phone that might be used or whatever it is. But I, I, I do think asking those questions in advance you know what do you do if what happens if what are your policies about is really important you know you need to know what you're getting into don't you? absolutely absolutely and don't be afraid to challenge them on this on all those topics mm-hmm. and you know particularly the mobile phone um area and that's and i'm very interested that eton are doing that because i think it's essential and one of the um benefits of a school like eton is that you start your life at Eton on day one in your own room. Now there are there are a few schools that do, that operate like that, but there aren't that many. Mostly you either start in a two or more in a dormitory. And the benefit that Eton always had, part of their selling point, was that you know the reason was the independence from day one. Your own room, you manage your own time, you're organised, and if you want to socialise, you have to get out of your room and talk to people. Well, of course, with mobile phones, you don't have to go anywhere to talk to anybody or socialise. And so actually, I gather that what Eton is seeing, I'm just using Eton as an example, are seeing that boys are actually locking themselves in a room, particularly when they first start at the age of 13. It's all a bit overwhelming and a bit scary. And they're discovering that actually they aren't going out and socialising because they've got their phones. So hooray for Eton for allowing that they are going to take the mobile phones away. Of course, there's going to be the odd child with the reserve phone, but actually they've still got their laptops because they have to do homework. I mean, you can still be in touch, but I think what they're trying to do is set a path for adult life. So going back to kind of choosing schools, you know, there are hundreds of them, let's face it. So hundreds hundreds and hundreds. So how, what would you, advice do you give people, families to help them to make an informed decision? Well, the first thing is that um, are you going to look at be looking at, at you know schools where, whereby you're going to be picking your children up at the end of each day, or are you going to be allowing them to board? So location, and this is important for day and boarding, and particularly for boarding, because although it, back in the olden days you deliver your child at the beginning of term and pick them up at the end of term, now that's no such there's no such thing. A full boarding school now, and people don't realise this, is actually it's. Often a full boarding school can be actually weekly. Many of these schools empty out on a Saturday night now, and you've got to be prepared to go and drive and pick up your child on a Saturday and deliver them back either on Sunday night or even Monday morning. Can I can I just stop you there for a second? Because I do think that's really one of the questions you have to ask is how many of your kids, if you're going for full boarding, how many of them are going to be left on a Saturday night? Because I know kids that have got there and discovered that actually there's only... 10 left in the whole house by Saturday night and and it's lonely and a bit miserable. I I know and I think it's tough on the you know the schools in a way you know where 
they want to say, well, look, we're full boarding because they have many, many of these schools have overseas children who don't have a home in the UK that they can go back to at a weekend. But at the same time, you know, they, they are, sometimes they do pull the wool over your eyes a little bit and say, yes, yes, we've got plenty of borders. Actually, they haven't got plenty of borders. They have got, as you say, a dozen or so, or even less. And, you know, there are some schools that literally the school shuts with apart from one or two borders. And that's really miserable for those overseas yeah. borders. So it is worth asking that question. And my advice would be ask a current parent at that school. Right. If you ask the school on the open day, they will say, we've got plenty of borders at the weekends. Actually, what you need to do is you need to ask a current parent of a child who's at that school, or even a parent that's just gone through the school and say, look, be honest, how many children stayed in on a Saturday night? My advice is when I'm um, advising families on choosing schools, I always say, if possible, be within an hour of your school, if you can. Sometimes that can't work. You live too far away or it's not the right school that's within an hour away. But generally, if you can, if you've got, if you're lucky enough to have plenty of schools within an hour, go and look at those first. And then go further afield. You know, what I do love is the school welcomes parents. And, you know, one of the things, you know, when you go around these schools for open days, although, um, of course, you know, you're looking at the school, the admissions office are looking at you as as families. And I think they do look and see... Are you the type of family that's on board with their ethos? Yeah. You know, if they have a particular ethos in a particular area, they're going to look for parents who are going to be on board with that. And if you're the type of parent that's going to be constantly going to the school office and stamping your feet saying, look, I'm really sorry, but my child's not going to do Spanish this week, I'm taking her out, then that's possibly not the right school for you. And I think that's where, you know, it's, again, yeah, it's a fine line, but at the same time you want to be, if the school like you and you're the type of parent that's on board with them and supportive of them, then you know what, access is up to you and vice versa. Yeah. So it's nice that. So when you're kind of, you know, first looking around at a school, what 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 would you tell parents to look for? What? Well, I always say look for teachers who are energetic. Um, sometimes if you're lucky enough to go to an open day, there are usually teachers on show in classrooms. Um, some, most schools have a sort of, they usually, the science block is particular attractive one and they've got you know a few pupils there doing some science experiments and if you're taking your children along with you they can join in on the experiment and and you can usually sense the energy of the teachers on these open days Um, it's often harder to get a close conversation with the headmaster or headmistress because they're often quite busy and you might have to sort of queue up so that's a harder one but the head teacher usually gives a speech at the beginning of the open day and I always think listen to how he delivers that speech and you know, some people are better at public speaking than others and I think that a lot of parents come away from school and say oh that headmaster oh he didn't really do a brilliant speech and he wasn't very articulate well often those ones are the best headmasters right. because not everybody can public speak it's quite a big deal to stand up in front of 400 parents and chat but actually often those ones are the ones that the children love but what I do say is is have a look for um for teachers and heads who seem passionate and energetic and also the pastoral team get to talk to them find out what's important to them about their house rules and every house often although they're very similar in most schools they have their own rules and think about what suits you as a parent are you singing off the same hymn sheet you know all of us as parents have our own rules within our homes i think most of the schools certainly the ones that i work in and there's a lot of them are really keen that home and school are working together because as we all know that's that ultimately provides the best environment so I guess that's a really good point that actually if the ethos doesn't sit with your ethos it's not going to work no it's probably not your bag however what I do say is go back for a second visit if you've got the time if you if you dislike it completely absolutely wipe it off your list 
move on. But if you're not quite sure, go back and have another visit because often the next visit is more of a private tour or a much smaller group open day. And in which case that gives you a lot more idea on whether it's the right type of school and you usually get more time with the pastoral team to ask them questions about the key topics that matter to you day to day, which again is part of the synergy between school and home and how you bring up your children. Yeah, I think it's really important. Choose a fa- It's sort of like choosing an alternative family for them because let's absolutely. face it, yes. they're in loco parentis. They are absolutely so. in loco parentis. I will always challenge the pastoral team almost more than I will the academic team because the academic results, they're there, they're on paper. And talking of the academics... I guess quite a few people will be looking at those league tables when they're making decisions. I mean, I have pretty strong views about them um, because I think the league tables are so easily manipulated. And, um, you know, if you colour every age, then you will end up with the ones that are going to come out with the A-stars and all the rest of it. So what are your views on choosing a school based on the league tables? Well, I'm afraid I would say ignore league tables. I would say that at every point, Um, mainly because many schools opt out of the league tables. So already you've got an unfair playing field. Um, uh, League tables are, it's another indication. When I say ignore, it's probably a bit strong. What I say is don't base your final decision on the league tables because they are, they aren't, they're just not, they're, they're a good indication but they are not the be-all and end-all. Actually, what are we? why are we sending our children to these lovely but expensive schools? To get them work ready, to get them ready for the workplace. And the workplace of tomorrow and the is going to be about creativity exactly. and, problem and social skills and engaging and, yeah. and communication. And it's all what it's all about. And so actually these schools now provides that. It gives children that edge to get out there. And the academic ones, yes, they'll get to Oxford, but... It's not about now, oh my gosh, I have to look at a a school that's very academic because they'll only get to Oxford or Cambridge if they go to an academic school and that's not the case. Uh, So I do think that, you know, making sure that you have a look at the alternative side and and I guess that's one of the reasons that people do pay for an education is because there's there's probably going to be a broader spectrum in terms of arts, music, dance... Yes, drama. Drama. Um, you know, there's so much on offer. And I think more to the point, I mean, actually, you know, one of the big questions is, you know, why would one pay for an independent education? What are you getting? What extras? And I think you've said it all. It's all of that, That's, but it's more than that. It's the fact that it's under one roof hmm. and you don't have to go anywhere. I mean, some of these campuses are huge, but it's there. It's not just all about academics. It's everything else that comes with it. I remember watching that programme where they had a head from a state school went into private school, Warminster, I think it was, and then I think um, the head from Warminster went... And that was, you know, they both went in with their preconceived ideas about the difference between state and private. But what the one thing that they came out and both recognised is that the advantage of the private system wasn't about the facilities, it was all about the amount of time that they get. Because the days are generally longer, they get more opportunity... Mm put that kind of thing in place and I always think the other thing that I think is really important is there is how inclusive they are you know does is everybody expected to play some kind of music is everybody expected to get certainly in the first few years whilst they're still making decisions about what's right and what's wrong for them Mm. I think it's really important that you know we do push them a little bit into having a go and enjoying things because if you find something that you love 
what's to say that that doesn't become ultimately your career? They're, you know, they're very lucky. They, they, you know, these schools are now amazing and, and the choice is endless. They're all, they're all pretty incredible. You know, very rarely do I go into a school, for, well, for Tatler Schools Guide, very, or never, but as I go in, in other capacities, um, do I ever come away saying, God, that school was awful. In fact, I don't think I've ever done that. No, I've never done that. I've never come away from a school. I mean, some schools might be better at some things than others, yeah. but I would never dislike a school because all schools have amazing things on offer and, and some schools do it better, some schools don't do it as well, but they do something else better. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's courses for courses. Look, it's also looking past the shiny shiny, isn't it? Because Absolutely. some of them do have, you know, some of them, let's face it, have pretty much endless budgets. And if you've got pretty much an endless budget, you can build amazing yeah. facilities. I know. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that what's going on beneath is, is right. So it's all a bit that. Anyway, let's have a little think um, about... getting into these schools Mm. but we're talking predominantly today and I think we'll do another podcast at some point about about the state system but if we're looking at the independent sector you know there are some that do pre-test non-pre-test common entrance not common entrance some are selective some are non-selective it's endless yeah (laughs) Um, unfortunately I haven't got time to go through every single um assessment process however if you've got a school that starts, I mean, some of these independent schools go all the way through, run right through from, you know, you can start in the nursery at age two and a half, three, and go right through to 18. They are unlikely to have too much of a selection process throughout, and that you will probably go from, you know, the pre-prep, as it's called, into the prep, and through into the senior school. They will assess you as you go along, and no doubt if there are problems that they're being flagged, they will say, actually, perhaps we think the senior school isn't the right place for you they're unlikely to have a, a formal test and you know what I do advise with parent to parents is you know if your school is saying that do listen to them because although it's deeply inconvenient if your child has to leave a school that you'd hope would stay till 18 the chances are they've they're worried that academically your perhaps your child is not going to be strong enough and therefore you don't want your child bouncing along the bottom and there will be there will be another school down the road yeah. that will be perfect for your child so don't you know don't worry i guess it might also be that actually they think that they are not the right school to support them that's so they're putting their hands up and saying actually we don't think we're going to be able to offer your child what they need absolutely and and, you know the the um support network um sen as it's called um is is in within these schools is getting better and better and better but that's sort of another topic we can always you know Mm. we can revisit the the sen department or the support for um, you know special educational needs, mm. but for for generally though many of these schools have a, a point an entry point at either eleven or thirteen, so the junior levels the prep schools tend not to have too much of a selection process. That's not the case in London. I might add in London, you've got seven plus, eight plus, eleven plus. And in fact, some schools are bringing in nine plus and ten plus, <sighs> depending on their entry. That is a whole other topic for another podcast. <laughs> But generally, for the boarding schools, most of the boarding schools are being outside of London, they offer um, an assessment uh, opportunity in year six or year seven. This is for entry at 11 or 13. Most of the traditional public schools that have now turned into co-ed schools, so you've still got the boys' schools, you've got, in fact, you've only got all, all boy full boarding, you can count on one hand, and they are Eton, Harrow, Winchester, Radley, and Sherburn are the only five all boy all boarding so there's only five now 25 years ago there would have been 
masses more, but they've all turned into co-ed schools. So therefore they are now starting to assess in year six, which is very, very early. That your child in year six, for those of you who aren't listening and don't know about the years four, five, six, seven, and eight, your child is 10. They might be 11 during the year six, but they are 10. And it's really, really tough for them. I think that a lot of these schools are possibly assessing too early, but I think it's such a big admin nightmare now that they need to get it all sorted and done. So if they're pre-testing at that stage, why do they then make them go through common yeah, entrance Yeah, good question. Well? well, common entrance now for most schools is just for setting purposes. And therefore, in or you can still fail it, but no longer will you get a letter three weeks before the end of term to say, we're well, frankly sorry, you haven't got to this school. What they will potentially do is ring up your the headmaster of your prep school, the head of your prep school, and say, um, we're, like, we're querying a, a, a score here, we're querying this child, is now this school the right place for her or him because their common entrance results have come through appallingly? And the prep school head will say, well, actually, now you mention it, the last couple of years, she or he has slipped a bit, and in which case, maybe let's think again. Or they might say, well, actually, the hamster died on Monday morning just because mm-hmm. common entrance started and they had a rather traumatic week, and in which case... The school would say, that's fine, thanks for letting us know. Um, but generally, these pre-tests are now what decides your child's entry into these senior schools in year six. And it consists usually, all of the schools are slightly different, but many of them are jumping on this relatively new bandwagon, which is an ISCB, which is the Independent Schools Examination Board. And that is an online computer test, which is sat at your child's prep school in the autumn term of year six. This is followed by interviews and possibly further testing and assessments in early in the new year. And both of those go alongside a headmaster's reference or a head's reference. And are those online tests, are they sort of maths, verbal reasoning? Absolutely. Or are maths, they English, kind of verbal that... and non-verbal. Okay, so... Yeah. There are four tests taken over two days and they're an hour each. Some schools are still assessing in year seven. Right. And long may that last. I, my fear is that they're going to be put under pressure to everybody that will have to pre-test in year six. And so by the summer term of year six, your child will know where they are going for their senior school, even though they've got another two years nearly in a term before they actually start. So at the end of year six, they'll know where they're going and they've got the whole of year seven and the whole of year eight. Now, on the upside, that's great because your child knows where they're going and it's all done and dusted, big tick in the box. On the downside, prep schools are really struggling now to think, well, if there's no formal exam at the end of year eight, what are we going to do with these children? Because they should be constant. Children should be constantly challenged because that is life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it should be all about public exams. I'm not saying that at all. But it, it creates a, a new path for prep schools. I actually think it's quite an interesting path for prep schools because they could do a project-based learning for two years mm-hmm. rather than focus it all on exams, which I think our children can be often overloaded with too many exams. They can make it about project testing so I think there's a lot open to it but it just it's a bit of a headache at the moment I think it's a bit of a headache and if you want to flip between uh, the state and the independent sector how is that going to impact well actually I think it's going to be easier it's going to be much easier to it to flip between the independent state sector independent sector and state sector many families often say to me you know we've got a fabulous primary school and we're using it and we've got three children and you know we, we can't you know financially we just can't afford yet to put our children into the into the private sector what do you recommend are we going to fall over when we get to age 10 or 11 are we not going to get into some of these leading schools and the answer is no that has all changed now with this new testing system it is about testing the potential of your child 
rather than whether they've been at an established prep school, rather than whether they've been tutored to the hilt. So that is a huge benefit. And I say to families, if you're at a lovely state school that you're happy with, that your children are thriving in, then keep them there. Many of these leading schools are delighted to take your application from a, from a, a state school. They will help you. They will advise you. The admissions team are there. They're on board to help you. You are their future clients. Yeah. They want you in their school. So they will do everything they can to help you with the process. So do not be afraid to keep your children in the state sector as long as you can if you've got a lovely state school near you. And if you were only going to, say, for example, do two years of private, because, you know, that's still a huge amount of money, mm-hmm. which two years do you think would be the two to go for? My advice would be years 10 and 11. Year 10 mm-hmm. is the start of the GCSE course syllabus. And I think those are quite a good two years that if particularly if you're feeling a bit stuck with your local school, that maybe the class sizes are too big or your child's not perhaps really grasping some of the the, the key topics in some of the subjects. That could be a very good two years to do. Although year 10 is not a formal entry, there is a lot of movement in many of these leading schools in year nine, Um, particularly the boarding schools actually, because children turn up at the beginning of year nine, that's having done 13 plus, um, and they decide they don't want to board, or perhaps the family relocates. And therefore, there's a really good opportunity, and many of these schools um, will have places at the beginning of year 10. if you start ringing around two years in advance, no, they'll say, well, no, we haven't got any places. But if you suddenly think halfway through year nine, actually, the Easter of year nine is a good time to think, do you know, a couple of years in the independent sector could do my child a lot of good. They could come back out again at the end of GCSEs and do two more years at a state sixth form college, of which there are a plethora of fantastic sixth form colleges. Yeah, so we've had a, had a little think about the independent versus the state. I wonder what your opinion is on single sex versus co-ed. Well, I always say don't make your final decision on a school, whether it's based on whether it's single sex or co-ed, because actually I say go and look at both. It's your mad not to. As a parent, I think you should always look at both because it's different. It's different concepts, different methods of education in the workplace. It's a co-ed world. They are going to be, you know, boys are going to have to work alongside girls and girls particularly are going to have to work alongside boys. Mm -hmm. And I think that many girls still today, dare I say it, in many industries are going to be in the minority. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the quicker they can get used to learning alongside boys and men, I think the better they often can perform in the workplace. Now, some girls don't want to be with boys. And I totally get that. I'm not saying that single sex or co-ed are better or if you look at the results, if you look at the league tables, back to the league tables, which we don't look, which we don't look at, the girls' schools and the boys' schools seem to outperform the co-ed schools. Well, I can tell you exactly why that is. Firstly, a lot, of, again, back to the original of what I said, as many schools opt out, but also the co-ed, the single-sex schools tend to be more selective. So yes, their results are better. Guess why? They've got more academic children as a whole within the school. Yes. Co-ed, I think, is it's not everybody's bag. Co-ed environments tend to be bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, these campuses are huge. Often schools have got 800 to 1,100 children in. They've got a wide campus. They've got to get from A to B. That doesn't suit every child. Whereas the single sex, particularly for the girls' schools, the girls' schools have retained a smallness, a cosiness. Some might say a little more nurturing from the outset. And I think some girls thrive in that environment and need that. And they wouldn't thrive so well in a big co-ed environment. So mm-hmm. it is horses for courses. I think make a decision based on the best school for your child rather than whether it is co-ed or whether it is single sex. 
I guess it also depends on your family dynamics. I mean, if you've got a girl and four boys, they might rather like to go for an all-girl school. Yes, I don't don't blame them. Uh, Final question. If you are talking to families who've got kids heading off to their senior schools, whether that's co-ed, single-sex, boarding, day, in September, is there anything that you would... A piece of advice that you'd finish off on? Yes, well... The one thing I would say is that over the summer holidays, this is a really good time to make them a bit more independent. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me on board. I think we've got lots and lots that people will find useful. Um, We'll put a tip sheet up on the Teen Tips website. Thank you all for joining us today. And I look forward to uh, being back with you for another Teen Tips podcast in the not too distant future.